Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom, this is Rabbi Joshua Heller, and we are still in Daily Daf Differently in the home stretch of Tractate Yevamot, Daf Kuf Yud Chet, page 118. And we continue to deal with cases where we are uncertain if a woman's husband has died, and the sages want to decide whether her testimony or that of others is sufficient evidence for her to remarry. And yesterday we saw a paradoxical case where someone's testimony might be sufficient for one purpose and yet might not be accepted for another. We didn't really talk yesterday about the case where there's conflicting testimony. Today we'll get into that a little bit more, but we'll also continue to see both of those themes and a question of when a belt and suspenders approach is necessary. So the Mishnah at the very end of Kuf Yud Zayin 117 continues the cases of conflicting testimony. Let's say a man has two wives. Remember, this was in the days when polygamy was still legal. One of whom says that her husband has died. One of whom says that he is still alive. The one who says he died is treated as a widow. The one who says he is alive is treated as if she is still married. So... One woman is treated as if her husband has died. The other wife, we assume the husband is still alive. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Schrodinger's husband. Paradoxically, however, if they both testify that he has died, but they disagree as to how, then neither is believed. After all, if they disagree over whether he's dead, the one who said her husband didn't die might just not know that he had passed away. But if they disagree over how he died, then clearly one of them must have been mistaken. Of course, yet another question taken up by the Gemara is how two women could disagree at all in the first place as to whether their husband was alive or dead. The answer, as we begin to explore yesterday, could be sinister. The wife who is testifying that the husband is still alive is trying to poison her co-wife's chances of remarrying. One might ask, Doesn't this also ruin her own chances? And the Gemara concludes that she might be like Samson, who destroyed himself, taking comfort in the fact that he brought the Philistines down with him. A person might be so bent on the destruction of another that he or she is willing to destroy themselves in the process. And we know that is psychologically the one way some people operate. They would rather make themselves and someone else be miserable than see that other person be happy. After that discussion, we get back to the same question we saw yesterday, of testimony being accepted for one purpose, but not another. So, for example, let's say two women were married to the same man, and one testified that her husband had died. She permits her own remarriage, but not that of the other wife, which is rather odd. So she gets to act as if she's a widow, but her co-wife, again, continues to have full married status. This is presumably to protect the other wife from the sin of adultery. But at the same time, there are benefits for her, assuming that she is still married. So, for example, 
the husband, who may or may not be dead, was a Kohen, then she would still be able to eat the priestly tithe known as truma, at least according to Rabbi Tarfo. Rabbi Akiva, however, responds that this is actually not all that helpful, that when you are dealing with a case of protecting someone from a vagary in the law or reality, you have to follow all of the possible strictures. So you do not allow her to remarry, as you would if the husband had passed, but you also don't allow her to eat the priestly tithe, which is what you would do if he was still alive. So Rabbi Akiva feels you rule strictly in both directions, giving the other wife, if you will, the worst of both worlds, having to forego both the advantages of being married and also the advantages of being single. The Daf goes on to a very similar argument in the next Mishnah, not having to do with this case of an Aguna, a woman who is not able to remarry, but rather a more general dispute about whether you have to cover yourself against multiple possibilities when there are multiple claims. So to understand this Mishnah, you have to have seen the following scene from Taxi. Reverend Jim Ignatowski, who never really got over the 60s, declares about an old flame, I could have married her. And one of the other cabbies asks, so why didn't you? And Reverend Jim responds, that's the thing. I'm not sure if I did or not. In this case, a man has betrothed one of five women, but is not sure who. I think there's actually a reality show that works that way now. I'm not positive. Rabbi Tarfon, in dealing with this situation, says that he gives a get to each one, then leaves the single divorce settlement in the middle and runs for the hills to let them sort it out. Rabbi Akiva says that no, he is obligated to give each one a full divorce settlement. Or, similarly, if the case happens where a person knows that he stole from one of five people and doesn't know who he stole from, Rabbi Akiva says that he can just leave the stolen object in their midst and again run out and let them duke it out as to whose it is. Rabbi Tarfon says that he must actually repay each one the whole amount. This actually strikes me as relevant to us today in the sense that there are times that we know we have harmed someone or we know that we have done some harm to the community as a whole, but we really have no good way of assessing who it is that we have harmed. There's no one person to whom we can pay damages or apologize, and therefore the question emerges, how do we express our remorse and make it up when in fact there is no really good way of identifying who it is that we've harmed out of the entire community. As we tie all of these threads together, we see that one of the things that unites them is the idea that people may have very strange motivations to lie or mislead, and that even moreover, even when a person is willing to admit wrong, sometimes we struggle with the fact that we're not sure who we wronged or how to really assign the wrong that we've done among all the people that we have harmed. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.